Heaven has no rage like love to hatred turned, nor hell a fury like a woman scorned. Welcome back to another exciting episode of One Kick-Ass Bitch. My name's Ken. I'm here with my co-host. Amber. And we're going to tell you a story this week about... Well, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, I almost said it. What? The name, but then oh. I was like... No, it's a surprise. So, Amber, we're on uh, Instagram, Facebook. I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. We will expand eventually. One to... kick-ass B is what we are on a lot of things. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, by all means, let us know. So this week, San Diego Comic-Con was this week. But other than that going on, which I don't really, I didn't really follow too much, did you? No, no. But did you see any cool movies or anything this week? I, uh, I rewatched Super Troopers too. It was very funny. Was it more weed humor, like heavy? I mean, it's most of it is weed humor or drug related humor in general. But so they talk about shooting heroin. Uh, not that one so much. Oh. But there's a lot of uh, random pills and uh, fake female sexual enhancement drug called Flova Scotia because they're in Canada. So there's a drug called there's, Flova Scotia. There's a female enhancement. There's actually, in real life, there's a company called Paladin Technologies who was developing a drug that would help with female sexual arousal. I know this because I own the stock. And then they found out it also worked for men. And then they found out in stage three clinical trials that it also works on your heart and will fucking kill you. Again, I know this because I own stock in the company. PTN, I do believe, is a call sign on the New York Stock Exchange. So that was a bad investment then. Well, you know, they're, they're, they're hovering right around a dollar right now. I think I bought them at four. So, yeah. I, I have a long history of, of that. No, it's buy low, sell high. Oh, it's not buy high and sell low? Shit. But other I than that. I had that backwards. What the hell? I thought it was a surefire system. <laughs> it was. For the house. Yeah. That's like gambling, but legalized. So you haven't seen other than that, other than San Diego no. Comic-Con, nothing going mm-hmm. on. I went to Mexico this last weekend, hung out with the Real Booze crew. How'd that go, Ken? It went uh, it went well, and the fact that we got stopped by officers of the Mexican law for failing to stop at an indivisible stop sign and got shaken down for about 200 bucks to stay out of jail. Yeah, Mexico's awesome. A buddy, my buddy Jerry, who was driving, he uh, was like, "Dude, I've been coming down here twelve years and I never had this happen before." I'm like, "I've been down here twice. I got a, I got a fifty percent win ratio going on." And then, but while we were down there, we uh, watched a bunch of movies. One of them was Devil. Highly suggested. Got a kick out of it. Yeah, we. Uh... Ken and I hung out earlier this afternoon, had a little lunch meeting, and uh, he was telling me about this one, and it sounds fucking sweet. It's fucking nice. And then um, on the last episode of the Real Booze podcast, my cohort, my hetero life partner, Jay, had mentioned that he started watching The Exorcist, a movie he'd never seen before, got about 10 minutes into it and said, yeah, no, fuck, I'm not going to watch this. I'm just going to scare the crap out of me. 
So I was over at his place the other night and he's like, yeah, let's throw in a movie. Cause that's all we do. Our friendship is solely based on like movies. And I was like, dude, throw in the exorcist. And he threw in the one with the extended version. It's got like 10 minutes of extra footage. There is a scene of Regan crab walking backwards. She's like doing a back bend, but crab walking down the stairs with blood pouring out of her mouth. So you look at you, you get a smile on your face. It's fucking awesome. And then we watched um, Game Night. Hilarious. Highly suggest it. And then the uh, next episode of the Real Booze Podcast, that's R-E-E-L, Booze Podcast, is going to be They Live from 1988. John Carpenter directed. So after I got done reading everything there is to read about this particular story, I've now started doing my They Live research based off of a short story, which I read, and it's fucking awesome. So that's what I've had going on. That's a good one. I haven't watched it in quite a few years, but I remember thinking it was fucking sweet. It's a great movie. Some people claim it's actually a documentary, but I'm I'm still exploring that angle of it. The Real Booze Podcast will probably be out the same day this is, I hope. So this week's subject, it's got a couple of highlights that I kind of want to bring to the table. The first is multiple marriages. Something I know a thing or two about. No, I've never been married. <laughs> Not close, but it's never happened. Like you said, you've, you've had this happen to you once or twice. Do you have any advice for women out there who are in a shitty marriage and feel they'll be locked, looked down upon for being married multiple times? I mean, yeah, people definitely look down on you and they don't take your relationships as seriously. Um, and maybe I should have been better at saying no when I was asked to marry these people, but like, you think it's going to work. But just don't stay in a miserable relationship because you're worried about people will think of you because would you rather like be miserable until you die or have other people die mad about your life choices? Almost everyone I know has been married and divorced. Very few people I know have been married and stayed there. But that's one of the things I hear about is I have a real good friend of mine married to a dude who's another really good friend of mine for like 20 years. And she was just like, I can't do this anymore. 20 years. And then went, this isn't working for me. And do you think that if she hadn't been afraid of judgment and like divorce hadn't been such a taboo a while ago, would she have been quicker? Would she have left sooner instead of being stuck in a marriage that not because she hated him, just she wasn't happy and fulfilled in she's the kind of person who throughout the relationship and i've known both of them for over 20 years i met them right when they got married she as as things went on as she got older she became more bold more like the bitch started playing hockey like fucking ice hockey yeah that's a kick-ass bitch there you go and just kind of realized this thing isn't working out for me so yeah, back in the day, I don't think she was that person. But as time moved on, as she did everything she could and grew as a person, just kind of went, you know what? I got to do my own thing. You got to go your own way. So that's one point about this story that I kind of wanted to talk to you about because you've been there and obviously I haven't. The second thing 
is dames with brains. Something else I know a thing or two about. Most women are admired for their looks and dismissed for their thoughts, ideas, opinions, and intelligence. We talked about stereotypes in the last episode. I'm going to bring it up again with the heroine of this episode, without which it wouldn't exist. She's the reason this is happening. Hmm. So you're smart. Do you find people dismiss you? Yeah, all your the time. Your thoughts, your ideas, everything. I'm a soft-spoken, smaller-framed girl, and I'm subjectively pretty, so people tend to take me much less seriously. Like, look at your boobs and not your face? Yeah. Or they're like, ha, 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 speak up, I can't hear you. you have big boobs. No, no, guys. It's not a very exciting situation. (laughs) 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 They're boobs. It's almost impossible. Well, no, I would say it's almost, but it's, yeah. It's yeah. very rare where you see boobs as a guy who loves boobs and goes, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think all boobs are great just on myself in every form. I've hated my boobs. So as if they're shapeshifters, just in their various sizes. Okay. Um, <laughs> enjoy your tits. Enjoy your tits. No matter what. Because they're uh, beautiful and so are you. So. Continue. We'll also have here. A little boob gotta, segue. Yeah, well, I was planning on going there. Because, and this is something I didn't look up. I didn't look up the person we're doing today. There's nudity of them. Which I was going to look up before I came over and then video games happened. As they so often do. And then uh, kind of forgets about everything except video games. Hedwig Ava Maria Kiesler. Born November 9th, 1914, died January 19th, 2000. Now, when I said I had two things I wanted to highlight about this, the first thing we talked about, the marriages, this is highlight number one. She was married six times. All right. Four kids. Three of them she actually had. One of them she adopted. She was born in Vienna, Austria-Hungary. The only child of Gertrude, also known as Trudy, Kiesler, whose maiden name was Lipschitz, she was Lich, Lichwitz. Her birthday was 1894, and she died in 1977. Let's do the math here real quick. If Hedwig was born in 1914, so she was 19 when she had her. I loved, no, I'm all obsessed with this whole family stuff in the background to kind of lay out who we're uh, talking about. Her dad's name Hedwig's dad's name was Emil Kiesler. He was born in 1880, so he was 14 years older than her mom. 16 years older. No, wait, 14. 1894, her mom was born. He was born in 1880, died 1935. And there are fire trucks going by again. Last time this happened, it ended up being because somebody fell off or and or, we don't know, jumped off of the Mill Avenue Bridge and did not live. So I wonder if it's something terrible again. I hope not. Well, with how hot it is. The temperature, temperature reading on my car today got up to 120. We live in, in Phoenix, y'all. It's hell? hot. So her father, Emil, was born to a Jewish family in Lemberg. 
It's now a city called Lviv in the Ukraine. We always hit the Ukraine for some reason. And he was a successful bank director. Trude, her mother, was a pianist and Budapest native. Come from the upper middle class, from an upper middle class Jewish family. She had converted to Catholicism and was described as a practicing Christian who raised her daughter as a Christian. So Hedwig, both parents Jewish, raised as a Catholic. Hedwig helped her mother out of Austria after it had been absorbed by the Third Reich and scuffled her off to the United States. Gertrude became an American citizen, listing her nationality as Hebrew, which is a common thing in Europe. Mm -hmm. Although she was a Catholic. She was a Catholic Hebrew. I don't don't understand the whole damn thing. Because religion is whatever. That's another another conversation, St. Olga. Yeah. Looking at you, St. Olga. Yeah. I'm going to destroy an entire civilization of people. Oh, look, I'm a saint. Hedwig grew up in Vienna at the time, and for all I know still is, a city full of culture and style. She got into acting, and at age 18 in 1933, was in a Czech film called Ecstasy. Due to her on-screen nudity and simulated orgasm, it was condemned by the Pope and banned by Hitler. The latter banning it because, you know, Jew. Also because she got naked and simulated an orgasm. Yeah. Which in 1933 was like unheard of. You can find the movie on YouTube, I think. I didn't watch it. A Jewish woman being sexual in the 30s? For In Europe where the Nazis are taking over? That is a bad... I mean, good for her, but it sucks that they kind of. But then Hitler didn't that. like her. Yeah. And if there's one person you really want to like you, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> eh, wait, actually. So that same year, she married Frederick Fritz Mandel. His date of birth was February 9th, 1900, and he died September 8th, 1977. He was a rich, Austrian weapons manufacturer who worked with the Italian fascists and then later with their buddies, the Nazis. Those bastards seem to pop up a lot. They're just, they're fucking Nazis. It's like playing a whack-a-mole. And it's easy to spot when you do the see Kyle thing, they pop right out of the ground and you can fucking whack them. I would love to them. play whack-a-mole with actual Nazis. <laughs> Whack-a-Nazi. She always was near... Frederick, her controlling husband, who had who had her by his side during parties and meetings and arms deals where she often overheard the higher-ups in these militaries talk about emerging technologies. She tried several times to escape this marriage, finally succeeding when she dressed as a maid and carried all the expensive jewels Fritz had given her and stuffed them in her pocket. And took off. I think they lived in a castle. It was crazy. So she couldn't get the fuck out of the marriage. So she just went, oh, you bought me all this jewelry. Peace, bitch. So one of the things I found from Wikipedia. Yes, I do use Wikipedia as a source. I'm sorry. It's not a bad source. Especially when it's stuff that says It's old. a great jumping off point. And that's exactly how I usually use it. But the cool thing they had in here, from 1933 to 1937, Mandel who's Fritz, Frederick Fritz Mandel, 
was married to Austrian actress Hedwig Kiesler. Both of her parents were born Jewish, but her mother converted to Roman Catholicism and Hedwig was brought up Catholic. Her first serious film was Algiers, for which she was highly acclaimed at the time. Mandel is rumored to have attempted to bring a halt to her acting career in Germany and to purchase all copies of her infamous film Ecstasy in which she appeared nude. So this motherfucker, controlling motherfucker, tried to buy all the copies of the fucking movie so nobody would see her. Yeah, it was a great marriage. Wow. Yeah. So she dressed like a fucking maiden, got the hell out of there. Divorce was the best option. There you go. That's why I said point number one. I I don't know. I mean, killing him probably would have been a better choice. (laughs) He did cohort with Nazis. The fucker lived till 1977. Unfortunately. Keep going. He died in September of 77. He wouldn't have been able to see Star Wars. That fucker doesn't deserve to see Star Wars. (laughs) Following incorporation of Austria into Nazi Germany with the Auschwitz. There's, there's something called an Auschwitz. The Auschwitz was the annexation of Austria and Germany on the on March 12, 1938. Mandel's remaining property, which had not yet been transferred to Swiss ownership, was seized. Since he had supported the separatist Austro-fascism, because he he supported another type of fascist party, and the Nazis were like, "Nah, your shit's ours now." Both Italian dictator Benito Mussolini and German dictator um, Hitler. Was there another one? No, I think that's, that's his name. That's how you say it. Okay. Uh, they both, both of those guys attended parties that Mandel hosted. Hedgewig described Mandel as an extremely control as as extremely controlling, and wrote that she escaped only by disguising herself as a maid and fleeing to Paris, where she obtained a divorce. So eventually she made it to London where an agent, a film, not a spy, introduced her to Louis B. Mayer, the head of MGM. He gave her a $500 a week studio contract and changed her name to Hetty Lamar. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. To promote herself, she tried to get on Twitter, but to get on Twitter... She had to have a cell phone, and those hadn't been invented yet because the type of wireless technology they used hadn't been discovered. Bound and determined to tweet, she invented the basis for modern-day wireless technology, and I mean all of it. Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, cell phones, she invented all this shit. She was determined. She had to tweet. The Twitter was out there, and she knew it. The Twitter is out there. The Twitter. Be careful, the Twitter is out there. Hedy Lamar. Deep down, she was a homebody who didn't like the Hollywood lifestyle, opting instead to stay home and tinker with things or work on designs on drafting boards she had installed in her house. She improved the design of traffic lights, invented a tablet that dissolved and turned into a soft drink, later admitting it just tasted like Alka-Seltzer, and redesigned the wings of a fuel-efficient plane for her then-boyfriend, Howard Hughes. Yeah, we're, you're looking at me like, what? I'm like, yeah, where in the fuck is this coming from? Yeah. Right. 
This is just a wild ride. Huh? Buckle up, guys. She liked dismantling things, figuring out how they worked, and tinkering with them. Today, we refer to this as hacking. You get a device that's meant to do one thing and hack it up, dismantle it, figure out how it works, then either make it do something else or improving upon it. She did this like she did with the traffic lights. When World War II started, she started thinking of ways to help the Allies, hence her working on Howard Hughes' airplane design. Hetty teamed up with an avant-garde composer named George Anthea. Together, they created a coded form of radio communication to securely guide Allied torpedoes to their target. Inspired by a piano roll, perforated paper that controls player pianos, Lamar and Anthiel developed a device that would guide torpedoes towards their targets using a radio signal that hopped among 88 different frequencies. The constant change, they figured, would prevent enemies from locking onto the torpedoes. She called it frequency hopping, and they were granted a U.S. patent number 2292387 for their technology in 1942. But the military didn't take them seriously. She and Anthiel didn't see a dime, even though the military later used the technology. That was point number two. Just because you're a girl, because you're a famous starlet, and you invent something that would work, so because she was who she was, some naked broad in some movie, nine years before, hands in a patent. Hey, you use this technology, wire, wireless torpedoes that cannot be jammed by the enemy. And they went, yeah, whatever. Nope, you're an attractive girl who knows she's attractive. Can't take you seriously. Frequency hopping. It became the basis for something called code division multiple access, also known as CDMA. It's the basis for cell phones. I can remember back in the day, like now when you pull up your phone, it says LTE at the top. Mm-hmm. It used to say CDMA back 20 years ago because of technology Hedy Lamar invented. That's so fucking sick. Again, quoting from Wiki. Lamar is also credited with being an inventor. At the beginning of World War II, she and composer Dan- George Anthiel developed a radio guidance system for Allied torpedoes, which used spread spectrum and frequency hopping technology to defeat the threat of jamming by the Axis powers. Although the U.S. Navy did not adopt the technology until the 1960s, the principles of their work are arguably incorporated into Bluetooth technology and similar to the methods used in legacy versions of CDMA and Wi-Fi. Their work led led to their introduction into the National Inventors Hall of Fame in 2014. In 1997, when Lamar was 82 years old, the Electronic Frontier Foundation honored her with two awards for her achievement. There's a documentary about her called Bombshell, The Hedy Lamar Story by Alexandra Dean. Film scholars and historians of technology, together with Lamar's family, friends, and biographers, in this documentary present a portrait of her. A brilliant woman, undone by the world's fixation on her famous face, 
a portrait made even sharper or more poignant by the director Dean's inclusion of newly discovered audio tapes of Lamar as a recluse in her 70s, alternately drug-addled and charming. I really want to see this documentary. Yeah. I read a lot about it. Haven't seen it. So, the reason we're able to do what we can today is because of this kick-ass bitch, Hedy Hedy Lamar. Lamar. I salute you, Hedy. I couldn't stay up to my thoughty social media activities without you. But that hussy was married six times. Good. Break all the hearts. <laughs> anyway, that's this week's episode about Haley Lamar, and she is one, one kick-ass, kick-ass bitch. bitch. Bow, bow, bow.